You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello! I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Get Tucked Podcast. I am your host, Tuck. Today's a big day for me. This is a very special episode. Today I am partnering with Adobe Howell. My buddy Patrick Walford came forward a few weeks ago and asked if I'd want to host the podcast on their site, and I am incredibly excited. Getting to branch the show into new audiences is huge, and so everybody go out there, follow Adobe Howell. You all know what Adobe Radio is. It's massive. Show them some love. Eddie and Patrick, thank you so much for bringing me on. I hope everyone has been doing well during these crazy times. Some states are starting to open up. Some states are closing back down. And we are still left with very little answers. Um, The future of touring doesn't look the brightest for 2020. But when it does return, I think it's going to be very special. Um, One band that I desperately want to see when the world turns back on is Dayseeker. At the time of the COVID lockdown, they were five shows deep on a We Came as Romans anniversary tour. And this week, I am joined by one of my current favorite singers, Rory Rodriguez. This band has been on my radar for a few years, but this latest album, Sleep Talk, really blew me away. I think it's my favorite release of 2019, to be honest. It's not often that a band comes out with a sound that can really blend my love for post-hardcore and modern production into one package. Dayseeker really did that, and they are seriously one of the hottest bands on the scene right now. So strap yourselves in for a lovely conversation with myself and the best singer out, Rory of Dayseeker. man just uh starting my day off with you i already told you that but i'm gonna tell you it again thank you i appreciate (laughs) it i know yeah man you west coasters i always feel terrible because i'm that asshole who starts texting people like far too early 
and uh, getting on everybody's nerves. So, um, yeah, I feel bad for you people because you're, you're just waking up and starting your day, and I've been at it for like five hours. So, Do people really terrible. get upset at you? No, not really. <laughs> no, I just feel that. I just feel bad. Or at least I try to mentally like not do it. If it's I wake up and I want to text somebody at like 7 or 8 a.m., I'm like, there it's 5 a.m. Like they don't want anything to do with this right now. And if I wake them up, they're going to be so pissed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I try to refrain from doing so. But dude, first and foremost, are you ready to get tucked, bro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been, uh, I, I don't, I don't think I've ever been tucked in my life. So, um, I've been tucked in, but I yeah. don't think I've, I think getting tucked is like a whole other thing. I it is imagine. like, yeah, I feel like it's a, you know, it's a form of like, uh, I mean, it's probably, it's pretty sexual, but it, you know, it's not sex. But if you look at the last text you sent me, <laughs> it was calling you in one sex instead <laughs> of one sec. It's beautiful. Yeah, that was, that was intentional. Yeah. Oh, um, God, thank you. I think, yeah. I think we're starting on a, a good note here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> How does it feel to be um, the best vocalist in the scene? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you must have me mixed up with Tyler Carter, but that's um Dude, that's he really can't nice screamo. You can screamo <laughs> and sing oh. Yeah. Screamo. He's yeah, he screamos a little bit. Um no, I don't know. It's um I I don't think I'm the best singer in the scene. It's it, I think it you can probably relate to, but it's man, I don't know. There's just days where I'm like, fuck yeah, like I I did a good job on that or like I, or I killed that shit. And then other days where I'll hear something back and be like, that fucking sucks. Like I, Oh yeah. I, I'm not, I don't know, man. It's, it's an ebb and flow, but I think it's good. Cause my, my father was a singer and he self-admittedly told me that he like literally thought he was God's gift to earth and that he would, and he's like, it's just hard to like not think you're wonderful all the time when everybody just keeps telling you that you are. And I'm like, yeah, kind of, but I, I think also though in in Dayseeker, I mean we all love each other, but we most of the time we're we're pretty like self deprecating towards each other. Um, especially Mike and I, at least like I'll be like you know like play on time or something, and he'll be like find a fucking key and you know. But it's like yeah, there's a mutual respect, but I I feel like our weird self deprecation towards one another actually like keeps a good sense of humility though. Like, well, nobody, And it helps to push you ego. guys. At least you're trying to get better. You're not just like, Oh, I'm the shit. I don't need to work on nothing. Like you guys know you have things that you can improve upon to make your songs and your live show better. Um, so, and it's difficult, especially when, you know, I believe you guys have been, you and Mike are, you know, been working together a long time. And when you have a relationship like that, um, sometimes you do, um, get frustrated by the ebb and flow of the music. Cause you guys, I mean, you've been at it for, you know, a bit, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I feel like at first, even myself, I'm guilty of, I heard it and I was like, man, this guy's got the best voice, but it's all right. Like, um, you know, I don't know. And no, I, I totally get that. And I appreciate like the, the honesty and yeah, it was, I don't know, man, we just, uh, I think we were just younger and we were super into like the metal core and yes. hardcore kind of thing. And like, I mean, it is fun to play, but it was just funny that like, we just hit like a weird point. Like, 
a couple of years ago where we weren't really listening to a lot of like metal or hardcore anymore, but we were still like trying to write it and be passionate about it. And then I don't know, our, <clears throat> our manager, actually one of our managers at Garrett from silent planet, he kind of like, he didn't like shit on the heavy parts of our band or the screaming or anything, but he was like, I think if there's like an element that, draws people into your group it's more so like the melodic and the singing parts so like we should try and like highlight that um on your next record which was sleep talk and so but it yeah. was kind of like terrifying because it's like any like minor success we had was based in this like metalcore world so we just we had like a nightmare scenario where we were in the middle of sleep talk and we were like really excited about it but we were like oh man what if people are just like you fucking sellouts and like, like, you know, and like, it's, it was, um, there's that saying though, it's like the greater, the greater, the risk, the greater, the reward. And, um, I mean, we're not like massive or anything. No, but it certainly worked. Yeah. Our jump in like any, any minor jump we had in popularity, I think was just because we decided to just focus a lot more on like, just like really solid melody writing and yeah. like, po- like pop structuring within the music. So well, um, one go Garth, you know, good be good manager move, encouraging his band to do something <laughs> smart and better for them. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. and you know, I think it makes sense because I, you know, when you came out and, uh, you know, people, you definitely did scream a lot more on previous releases now. Um, was it just one album or did you guys do like an indie record before you did like in, cause you, the, the first record was with Invogue maybe if I'm correct. It was, yeah, we did our first two albums with Invogue. Um, okay. and then we've done two albums with, um, Spine Farm. Uh, so yeah, we have four, four albums out, which is fucking okay. too many, but yeah. Well, it, you know, it took you a minute to maybe find your place, but the, the thing I kept seeing over and over again was, Fuck, this dude's singing is insane. So I'm glad that you mm-hmm. decided also to just sing. Do do what you're it seems like you're comfortable with. And mm-hmm. you know, of course you throughout the times we, you know, texted each other the last few days, you know, you make little jokes that like, oh, you know, the autotune helps or saying in key. But I mean, it's not like you're singing simple melodies, dude. You're going for it you're doing runs you're at the top of your range you're at the bottom of your range it's soft it's emotional it's like and there's different ways that you hit your high notes where it i can hear those times where you go a little more r&b with it and then those times where you really give it that like emotion and that scream and it's mm-hmm. it's fucking awesome dude so you it, you're doing stuff that just is uh, a whole whole nother ball game you're pr- playing pro ball and some people are doing minor league shit so, you know, that's, dude, thank you, man. Yeah, that's, of course. Uh, it's crazy I, uh, listening to the record, dude. Like, I'm completely mind blown by it. I know you've seen me tweeting at you and whatnot before I mm-hmm. formally harassed you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, dude. Um, who did, did Eric Ron produce this album? No, he didn't actually. Um, we, uh, Mike and I had worked with Eric Ron um, before in the past. Um, in an old, a really old band we were in called Southern Lights. And um, Eric is, he's a good dude and he's a great, um, he's a fantastic songwriter and he knows how to pop structure some stuff together. But he, I don't know, we kind of, uh, we talked to a few different producers. We were also talking to Matt, Matt Squire, I think is his oh, name. Cool. And um, yeah, he was like 
super psyched to do it but and we were really curious about like him and eric ron it's just um they they were kind of like you have to commit to the full album or i'm not gonna do anything because we were kind of like can we do like a test single because we didn't want to commit and then we've just had like some not so fulfilling experiences where we go in to write a single with a group of producers and it's it's a the energy is just not vibing between us and we yes. just didn't want to commit to a, a full album like that. Um, so we, we actually did it. We did it with this guy, Daniel Bronstein, who he did, a well, he did the night God slept for silent oh, okay. first record. Um, he used to play in volumes way oh. back in the day. He, he had like, yeah, he had a really big key hand in writing via, which is like my favorite volume. Yeah. Record. It's the shit. He, it's so good. He, yeah, he really, he understands kind of like, I don't know, like really beautiful atmospheric kind of vibes with, but still like trying to keep it in like a heavy or rock world. And so he, uh, the funny thing is actually is that Mike and I just, we've just put out a song for our side project um, called Hurt, Hurt Wave. Wave. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was actually, that was the first time that Mike and I had like ever recorded music with Dan from scratch. And then on... Um, it went, it went so well for that song that we we went to him to do uh, a single for Crooked Soul just to kind of give that a uh, like a test run, and then he did a great job on that. So we just committed to doing the full album with him. So he he produced it, um, he recorded it, he did some mixing, and then we had this guy uh, Henrik Ud, who's in Sweden. He that he sounds did, very familiar. Yeah. He he did work on not the newest Architects record, but he did work on um like all our gods have abandoned us cool. and uh, lost lost forever uh, or lost together and um yeah so he he mixed and he mastered it so it was kind of a, a cocktail thing between those that's sick. those two guys there um but they were yeah but da- Daniel Bronstein is the shit i i can't say enough good yeah. things about him he needs um, to be out there more because the songwriting here is i i mean i don't uh, i don't know how much of it you guys wrote before and then he just like polished some shit or like when crooked soul got to him where was it at in the songwriting process like what did you have crooked soul was pretty much done honestly he Fuck. he just he just kind of added his like I don't know, dude. He's su- he's just super good with like Omnisphere, and it's it's like his soundscapes. It's like I'll describe something I'm hearing in my head, and he can find the sound I'm looking for in like yeah. five or ten minutes. And so, Crooked Soul was honestly probably one of the lesser collaborative tracks. And then, but there, there's there's some stuff on the record though where I'm like, it's like it's crazy because if we didn't go to him and we had went to like Matt Squire or somebody like I don't think that song would exist on the album because some stuff he would just be like hey I have this like like this idea and it's like a 20 second part and then it like it spanned into like you know like a three or a four minute song off of us just vibing and he's just um he's so positive and he's so down to try anything that it's just like it's just kind of like a dream scenario for like working with a producer um yeah, man. Yeah. I think it really shows it. The record through and through has no weaknesses, and it's honestly over before you want it to be. Like when it got done, and I was listening to it for the first time, and then it came back to drunk. I was like, "Wait, what? 
No, no, <laughs> come on. Like, you know, and I kind of like that feeling where I've, I, I don't want a record to be exhausting to the point. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I always want people to appreciate the end, but it is nice when it's left at a cliffhanger where you're like, Oh Jesus! I need so much more right now. Like you, how you can't just do that to me. Um, yeah, and it um, shows, dude. And even like the little things, I have to ask: What came first, Ember's Glow or the color black? Um, the the Ember's Glow came first. I actually had I I wrote. There's kind of like a Rhodes piano guy going throughout um, all of the Ember's Glow, and I had actually written that like. A couple of years ago, and I, and it's it was actually funny because I was like, I don't know if this should be like a hurt wave thing or like a day seeker thing. And then um, we were kind of, we were, man, we we tore. I mean, there were so many earlier versions of the color black where it was literally like twenty or thirty BPM slower than it is now. It was like, it was just, it was very. I don't know. That's one got just. Yeah, I'm glad that got sped up and worked on. (laughs) Yeah, it. um, I think you do that sometimes, though. It's almost your most impressive vocal performance on the record, just because you do so much in the color black, and you go from your a few softer moments, and then you have that like big building in the pre-chorus, the and then you go into screaming, and that's like it's just it's a lot. You, you really put yourself through the ringer making this thing. But one thing that opened my eyes was watching that Caliber video and seeing your other boys. I know Ramon, but I I don't know your guitar player at all. I think Gino is his name? Gino, yeah, um, Gino. I didn't know that the both of them also <coughs> could sing and scream as well, which is sick. Yeah, um, Ramon kind of... Ramon just does mainly screaming and stuff, but layered in there, it sounds really good over those like more distorted note kind of scream guys. Yeah. And then um, Gino, in his own right, is like a fantastic singer. Like he, um, he, we had a good actually a rhythm guitar player before Gino, but he was only with the band yes. for like for like six months, and then. Gino. So it feels like Gino is like an OG member, but he, he came in with like harmonies and we, we always did them on the records. We just didn't really think about it in like a live capacity. And then he, and it's not even a thing where like, I have to like sit down with him and be like, you do it here, you do it here. It's like, we'll just show up for rehearsal, even with like songs off sleep talk. And he just like, he just sings like where he's supposed to. And it's, it's definitely like, I think a live element is like a really cool thing. Like I think we would, I think our live performance would suffer if he was not a part of our group. Cause he, he really fills it out in like choruses and other parts. Yeah. Are you guys just reamping that second guitar and like having it in tracks kind of like we do and shit? Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. We, um, yeah, man, I, we, we, <laughs> were, we were, <laughs> yeah, it's, we were a five piece. Um, I remember seeing you point. guys as a, I, okay. Did you guys open when we d- we were on that like four today farewell tour? And I just remember this one time like I played Can Jam with Ramon, and I feel like we all watched Rick and Morty on a projector or some shit like outside. <laughs> but I can't. I don't know. I might be mistaken. But have we ever played together before, or is that a lie? I don't think we've played together. Okay. I think you guys you guys have shown up. I think 
to a tour that we were on. And Did you I, open the I, Silent Planet tour? The headliner with Hail the Sun and shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, we, we played uh we played second on um on that tour. Yeah, yeah and Ghost I, Key, you guys Hail the Sun. Silent right, Planet. yeah. Yes. So it's uh yeah, I remember you guys coming out. You'll you'll have to forgive me because I like I I do consider myself a nice person, but I get a lot of like social anxiety, especially with like people who are in like quote unquote like bigger or more popular bands. Like I think you walk this fine line where you you want to be like friendly, but you also don't want to come off like like a Punisher that's playing like in a band, you know? Um, oh, I get that for sure. I think I so, have that too with meeting. I've talked about that on the show a little bit, where there was some guys that have been bigger that were really weird to meet at first, like Keith Buckley or Matt Griner or like you know stuff like that, where you're like, dude, I've I've loved you for like ten years. Like you don't gotta fucking tell me what your name is. Like I I know. Um, and, and then, you know, when we do, when we're all mixing and mingling as bands and start, you know, starting to try to get to know each other and we're in our own little circle, I think it does get a little bit weird for sure where it's, it's not nearly close to that, but you never know, like, is this person going to be nice to me? Is this person not going to be nice to me? There's, it's the same thing like Mm -hmm. Kirby is definitely has a way different approach than I do where he's you know, reserved and chill and quiet. And then I'm usually the loud, you know, asshole on the other end of the room and, you know, end up finding all the potheads and that's just what we're doing. But like, it's, it's really weird navigating the waters of how to actually get to know everybody in this scene because they have ego and just cool fucking normal people. Well, and I noticed that Ramon's actually our newest member too. I mean, he's been with us for like two or three years now, but I noticed really quickly that he's like, he's just the nicest, most laid back guy. And he doesn't, um, he's real cool. It's, dude. He just always, he always will mingle with like bands who are like a lot more popular than us. And it's just funny. Cause I, I wish I had like his social skills to do that. Cause I just, I just don't like, dude's I just, a magnet <laughs> for sure. We're like, I, I don't know. I only hung out with him once, but I'd be like, "Yeah, like that's my dog. Like he's a cool dude. Like I like that guy. Um, he's he's sick, yeah. man. He's yeah, great. he's just got a got a good good thing going for him. But he also mm-hmm. looks very cool on stage. Your whole band looks awesome. Bunch of really attractive dudes. It's nice. <laughs> Bunch of hotties in a boy band. It's nice. Uh, thanks, man. We yeah we get called a boy band pretty often, so I I guess we'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, now that I see the other people singing too, I guess it fits a little bit more. But I would rather be called like a boy band or be um, told that my group of uh, friends are attractive than to be like, yo, your music's great, but y'all look like a bunch of goons. Like, you need to clean up. Um (laughs) <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure you guys don't hear that you got you got some hands oh no yeah we got jared so we're room. okay yeah jared's real <laughs> hot like he's like 10 out of 10 like american hot and then like daniel's super attractive it's just me like me and kirby like we're good looking dudes we're just not like crazy like fucking hot dudes we're like like i look like i don't know a meatball and you know i'm bald <laughs> and i got muscles and shit and you know kirby's just metal as fuck um if Daniel was like six two, people, oh yeah, yeah, they would be all over that. And I mean, <laughs> he's still super incredibly handsome and has he has great hair. I love his hair. 
Oh yeah. Well, if God made him six two, that I think it would just be unfair. That's probably why he he gave him the height that he did. Yeah. But, I don't know if I'd be uh, friends with a Daniel that's six two. He it'd be tough. We'd have you know he'd be yeah, an animal. If a Daniel's shorter than you, yeah, you can you can get away with it. But when he's too tall, it's, it's a it's a deal breaker. That's um, dude, I love Daniel though. It's it still doesn't um occur to me sometimes that he's like. He's like full time playing with you guys, and oh yeah, is, he's like is he, is in he the band. Write? In the band, yeah, he That's helps write, and he's like fully in the band and everything. <clears throat> like we had one year where he just, you know, he jumped in and he played with us, and we felt it out and see how we all um, got along with each other. Like we obviously were friends from touring with Phineas in the past, but being in a band together mm -hmm. is different, and we are certainly a strange band to some extent. Um, we have a lot of different personalities. But um, Daniel felt he was just fit in like a glove and he kind of did some of the stuff that we needed to go the direction that we want to where say, he can shred like a motherfucker. Like that boy can solo mm -hmm. day in and day out over almost anybody. Like he is so fucking good. His vocals are insane. He's got like this crazy high register where he can do like the Sam Carter screams and sing. And mm -hmm. his singing just blends with Kirby's better than mine does, where I've got my little like R&B soft shit I do, and then I get kind of emo on them here and there. But mm -hmm. I don't sound manly. I have a girly singing voice. and Oh, I don't think that at all, but... Um... Yeah, no, I mean, it, okay, I'm not trying to talk shit. No, you don't no, sound no. Like, you don't sound like Kellen Quinn, though, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's you, not that kind of, like, super tenor, girly, but definitely more more feminine than metal, I'll say. Like, where they, uh, they both have, like, a good metal voice, and I kind of sound more like an emo singer. I disagree. Uh, yeah. I like, dude, I like, like, I think my, my favorite fit song is, um, dude, I think it's the last track on... Not your newest, so I don't know. It's like the, um, the end is calling. Oh like yeah, that. Death Grip. Dude, so good. Yeah, that's Thank like you. that. But that I think it's probably because like I, I mean I, I like your I like your band a lot actually. But it's just cool to hear you guys like do, yeah, some like mellow mellow shit like that. Where I'm like, ooh, this is like, this is like mellow, and and then and then you know it just comes into that like crazy riff right after. It's just it's cool, man. It's uh. I I, I kind of wish I, I could hear stuff like that more from you guys, but I also know that people are dumb and they would yeah. just give you guys shit if you did that too much of the time. It was <laughs> nice because that was one of those records where, so Slave to Nothing, I sang a lot. And then Death Grip, it was toned back and people were like, what, Kirby's singing choruses? Like, what's going on here? But this is cool. And we did Death Grip and Death Grip did so well, the song like itself where it was like, okay, dude, like maybe this is just kind of like what you do. Cause when you do this, like you're bringing in new people, people are interested, our fans are happy, like we get the contrast, mm -hmm. it works out. So it, I think we found ourselves where it was like, you know what, those like big booming choruses, like Kirby hits those. And then I just like come in and hit some homers here and there. Um, mm -hmm. And we found that contrast too, where on the new record, there's just some stuff that like, like a chorus that I wrote, but like Kirby needs to sing it. It's the same thing when on like when everything means nothing, like I'll sing like the soft part in the beginning and keep it all death grippy, but he'll come in and 
whoop ass when necessary. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it was weird, man. Like it was definitely like a, an adjustment for me. I actually didn't listen to Dark Skies for three months when it was done. Um, I was just like kind of upset and had to swallow that I wasn't singing that much. And then when the stuff that I did sing on did well, I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm cool. Like, it's good. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's a weird contrast, man. Um, and I feel like you guys kind of had a similar-ish little thing just within yourself where you're like, man, I don't need to do all this screaming. Like, when I scream occasionally, it's cool, but I'm just going to sit here and sing and do what I do. And everyone's either going to love it or they're not. And it just turns mm-hmm. out that everyone and more happen to love it. And get into yeah, it. it's funny, though, but for a long time, I saw it from a live setting perspective where I was like, because it was just like, we noticed when, when you're playing to like in your early years and nobody has any idea who you are, it's like as soon as you hit like a breakdown or like a riff, you notice that the crowd <clears throat> like starts moving. So that was what I interpreted as like a positive crowd reaction. And so th- I think that for a long time was why I was like so scared to drop into being more of like an alternative rock band. So I was like, dude, our live shows are going to be boring as fuck. And then, and then it's funny that we were like, because we tried, we did like three albums of like post hardcore metalcore, and we were like, okay, it, like the Sleep Talk was honestly kind of like our last Hail Mary. I think if, if we did Sleep Talk and it was received on the same level that the first three were, we probably wouldn't have been a band for a very long time. And we're, we're lucky that it, it went over super well. But the, the, the irony of the whole situation is that I, I actually like don't even really like playing our old metal stuff live anymore. I don't know what it is. Like, Oh, I, I don't think you will be very long if at all. Like, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's funny that there's yeah. no, we play, I don't know. We'll play songs like drunk or like burial plot live. And then it's just like, it's basically like when we're playing through any like stuff off of our first three records live, I'm just like, okay, can we get to like, the sleep talk songs now and the crowd yeah. isn't like moshing or anything but i don't know it just it feels like there's like Bro. an energy shift in the room and it just it feels it feels good and then it feels silly that we kind of waited so long to take like that approach because i think we could be we could be doing a lot better if we had tried this like two albums ago but um, i agree but i think that now you're shining because of it because there's not really any big competition for you guys like there's not a lot of other bands that have kind of crossed over and um are, are even in the mix of this genre that are, are primarily singing where they have a record full of hits like this that everyone is into like i could actually legitimately see you guys opening a thrice tour let alone opening a dance Gavin dance tour. And I don't think it, you could be in a much better position than that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's a very interesting situation. Uh, yeah. I would say, fuck it to all the old stuff. I would just play new stuff. Cause if I came and saw you, like I want to hear as much of this record as possible in 30 minutes. And <laughs> that's, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's but only 36 Matt, minutes I, anyway. <laughs> you know, we, uh, well, yeah, we're actually, um, well, Mike and I are we're just about done with all this stuff for our side thing. And so we're we're actually we're supposed to do like a deluxe version of Sleep Talk. And I think we're I think I mean I don't want it to sound too close to Hurtwave, because Hurtwave is very like eighties like synth wave shit, but I think we're gonna really 
we're going to reimagine a bunch of sleep talk tracks probably to be like a cross between that and like the midnight. And then we're, and then I think we're writing like a new single or a couple new singles. So, so you'll get, you'll get like two more, You'll get like two more sleep talk songs, Tuck, and then you get Fuck a bunch yeah. of sad shit. So, but then, well, I like the sad but, shit too. I do the sad shit in my time on the side too, and I I feel like it's necessary. Um, I I now Hurt Wave, you guys just put out their first single for this new project, right? Or you're gonna? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had a we had a weird legal thing for a couple of years. Um, I'm not I'm not shit talking our our label or anything, but they uh. It was just naivety when when we were on our indie label and I wanted with to put music. Uh, in Vogue you're talking about. Yeah, when I when I wanted to put out anything outside of Dayseeker, he was like, "Yeah, he's like, dude, I don't I don't own the rights to it." He's like, "Go for it." And so I just had a I had a similar vibe that that was going to be the same situation with our new label, and then you know we we started kind of writing and recording like, like literally like three years ago. And then they were like, Oh, well, like you also signed to, cause we're, it's owned under universal. And they're like, Oh, you're also signed as an individual artist with universal. So basically yeah. anything you, you want to put out, like you can technically put it out alone, but like we have to approve it. Like if, if we like the music and we want to release it, we then have every to right to do so. And we just, I'm not again. I'm not. I'm not gonna like. No, it's okay. Them, I experienced they, that with my side project. I did that um, with. Offer. Oh, you did. Yeah, we're with Tooth and Nail for my soft stuff, because mm. Tooth and Nail and Solid State are owned by the same guy. Um, gotcha. So I ended up having like they had first dibs on it, showed it to them. They're like, "This is cool. What do you want to do?" Well, I'm gonna put out you know a EP and like a music video. Cool. Like, okay, we're gonna do it on Tooth and Nail. All right, cool. If you want to pay for it, fine. Um, and I'm sure that with Spine Farm being what it is, um, that makes sense that they would come after it and, uh, you know, at least want to clear it over beforehand. Now, are you going to release it through one of the Universal branches or are you doing it independently? It's through Spine Farm. They, yeah, we had talks about doing it with another label, but I think they, I think they see it as like they gave, they gave so much to kind of push Dayseeker for like the last two albums that they didn't want to just let another label kind of like reap the fruits of their labor off. Cause if, if people went to hurt wave, it would probably be because they're a day seeker fan. And I, I understand it on their end. It was just like, it literally took like a year to get a contract offer from them. And it was, it was one of the worst offers I've ever seen in my life. And then getting a revised <laughs> and then getting a revised offer back took like another year. And it was just like, we and the whole i mean honestly it kind of worked out for the best though because a lot of this stuff would have came out before sleep talk did and i don't think i don't think people would have paid as much attention as they are now so i'm kind of okay with it like yeah. at the end of the day but it was really it was super frustrating for like just years and years like it's 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 funny because i don't like um like i'm proud of sever but i actually feel like my voice sounds different now because i did that because i recorded it three years ago and then there's stuff there's like new hurt wave stuff that i recorded like a month ago and i'm like that doesn't sound the same but it's it's fine i don't i don't think people will really notice but um 
but yeah, I'm excited to to put it out. I'm I'm gonna have to dive into your to your shit, dude. I remember I heard that you, you had some some like solo stuff. I I want to hear it, dude. All right. Yeah, it's like me and my friends that I grew up with um, in New York and been in a couple bands with these guys and just like uh, I don't um, I guess it's kind of like parts armor for sleep. You know, parts Jimmy oh, World, uh, mm-hmm. and then yeah, it's kind of like kind of like that shit. Um, it's just fun. I do. You know, we get to play out, put out some records. Um, we just put out our first uh, full length, which was super fun. Got some videos and shit moving for it. But yeah, I, I, you know, it was one of those things where after a while of doing the metalcore thing, I just needed something to uh, keep my artistic juices flowing um so we ended up writing this one song spiral gaze and uh i showed it to adam from our label and he was like oh dude like what do you want to do i was like okay like you want to put out some stuff he's like fuck yeah let's do it um so it was like the easiest process ever just in terms of um gaining their approval and shit which was really nice um but yeah it's a really fun project to get to work on we don't get to tour very much because two of the guys in my band also work for Monster Jam, which is that like monster truck rally with Gravedigger and shit. If you've oh. ever seen commercials for that, I think I have. Yeah. Um, yeah, they do like audio video for that. So a lot of times when I'm home from tour, they're out on tour, and it's a little difficult. But yeah, to, if you you know if you get bored, give a little give a little listen. That's oh, that's I'm me a- trying to you know trying to let loose um, and just say, dude. I'm yeah. I'm excited. What um. It, what's it called? It's called Off Road Minivan. Um, weirdest oh, name. Oh, I've heard for, of that. Yeah, yeah. It's most people see the name and they're like, "What the fuck kind of terrible ass country band is this?" <laughs> um, but it's like a f- smashed van with dead people inside of it, like a nice family that you care about, you know, and like they're dead and they're they're not, you know. It's cool. Like it's way cooler than people think. They just don't get it because they're not deep enough. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, they're dumb, dude. <laughs> they just don't get it. Just... That's what I say, dude. It's like you guys just don't even understand how deep my metaphors are. Um, yeah, I don't know why I named my, named our band Off Road Minivan. I like... you know that's dude because n- naming a project is like half of the dude. That's the hardest thing. You you have to have a story for. Oh how yeah, you got to that though. Yeah, my my fiance, we were in traffic on the throughway once, and we were just stuck. And this minivan like rips onto the grass, and then up on the other side of the interstate. And she was just like, "Look, it's an off road minivan." And I was like, "Fuck, that's my Jimmy Eat World. I need that." <laughs> and then I like, you know, it fit some of the songs that I write because I like to write about dead people from my town. And it just, I was like, yeah, this is genius. And then after the EP, I was like, maybe we should change the name. But my other <laughs> band name was like more kind of a, almost offensive. Um, what was I that? Wanted, well, I, I might, I'll just say it out here because I think I'm still going to put out this like acoustic stuff I've been writing for it. But I wanted to call the band mm. Drug Front. And, um, oh, that's sick, kind of. I actually. I kind of like it. Yeah, I think it's super badass, and I would all I day wear offensive. a hoodie that says "Drug Front." Um, it's You're just, not saying but, like "fuck kids" or anything. Like it's. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't know. Some people were just like, "I don't know if I'd wear a T-shirt that says Drug Front," and I'm like, "You're a <laughs> pussy." Um, but yeah, I think I'm just gonna put out my solo stuff through it. So before any of you motherfuckers listening to this try to steal my thing, because I know that there's not any other bands called it right now. I swear to God, I'll come after you and I'll cut your fucking throat. <laughs> 
Um, but that's not a threat. I'm not threatening anybody <laughs> on the show. You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, that you know, just respect what I'm talking about here. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, Damn. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't, I, sh- I shouldn't have made you say it out loud. No, it's okay. I like that. I just got to like tell everybody that I'm gonna kill them if they try to steal my idea because I want to see someone try. I think that would be great Um, because they'll probably just kill me anyway. Like, I'm 5'7", 175 pounds. I ain't shit. I can't really do that much to you, to be honest. But Yeah, but um, you're built like a a Greek god, so I think... Dude, no, man, not anymore. Ice cream in two months out of the gym, dude, fucks you up. (laughs) Yeah, I can definitely relate it is it's hard to like get motivated to work out at home like because it's it's like your place to relax you don't want to go fucking lift weights in your living room yeah and that's always been my problem like even growing up my dad is is in insane shape dude's jacked as fuck (laughs) and i had like smith machine full gym like in my basement but i have Mm. to go to the gym i have to be somewhere where it's like well i already got here like now i need to work out and right Mm -hmm. um but I'm I'm bad at discipline and motivation anyway. I have hardly any discipline when it comes to it, and um, I just like working out. So that's why I do it. It's not like one mm-hmm. of those things where I'm like, yeah, I have to do like run my ten miles a day, or I'm gonna fucking die. But I need to get there because I'm getting old, and if I don't do it now, I'm I'm gonna be forty and in very terrible shape. Um, you know, you hit, I'm 31 now. So I feel like I'm just oh, me too, whittling man. away. You know what I mean? Like 30 was like, whatever, I'm 30. Like, you know, it's like the new 20. And then 31, <laughs> I'm like, fuck, 40 is coming for me quick. Oh yeah. It's, I feel like everything hurts and I feel like it's so much harder to get in better shape than it used to be. It used yes. to be that you would just like, you could just eat like total shit and like not have meat and your body would just like lose weight like crazy. And now it's like, well, you got to watch your carbs and your dairies and your, yeah. I don't know. It was just my so one much perk shit. is, uh, my fiance is gluten free, but like the real kind where if she has it, she'll be really sick. So that helped mm-hmm. to cut out the carbs and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. I just needed to stop being such a goddamn pothead because then it comes to, you know, it's nine o'clock. I'm sitting in my bed. I'm watching TV. I'm like, I know I got ice cream in my freezer. What is up, everyone? It is time for the mid-roll mosh. This week, we definitely bring some mosh, but a little more on the melodic side. Roseview is a band from Maine and has some defeater moments, and their breakdowns give me some Beartooth vibes. Retrace is a great example of this. The singer's vocal delivery fits right in with classic post-hardcore bands, While having some darker, sadder moments, the band carries a lot of energy. They opened a fit show a while back, and I really appreciated the passion they gave. Their bass player, Topi, had some sick moves, so naturally I had to pay attention. So sit back and enjoy this week's selection, Retrace by Roseview.
I need it. Um, with the sprinkles. And the, the discipline is just, man, it's crazy. It's crazy how much it goes away um, when you're high, so specifically. Because <laughs> yeah. when, when you're high and you're hungry, it's like no, nothing else in the world. You're like, I don't give a <laughs> fuck about anything else. I just have to. Yeah. I've been the same where, like, I've, um, I, I go to a rock climbing gym out here and it's, oh, um, sick. it's super fun. And I, I try and, uh, but it fucks your hands up. So I, I usually like I'll climb and then the next day I go, I'll work out and do cardio and I kind of just alternate, but I'll, dude, I'll be like killing it. Just eating like ground Turkey and vegetables and like eggs and protein. And then like, I'll get high. Like, and then I'm just like, I have to eat something horrible. Like, yes. Cause, then, Cause you never, you never want to eat like, an unseasoned chicken breast when you're high and be like, this is fantastic. Like you, that's the, that's oh. the conundrum is you have to eat something horrible for you when you're high. Cause it tastes yep. so good. It's, it's fucked up, man. It's but. tough, dude. Yeah. I have, I can, I'm good during the day and like I smoke during the day, but I'll be fine. And like, you know, I don't eat till like two o'clock. I'm intermittent fasting. I'm feeling good, you know? And then I eat a nice lean dinner but then I'm just a bitch at night. I'm terrible. But um, Ramon does a lot of rock climbing as well, right? He, yeah, he's actually, he's the one who, he got me into it. I kind of oh. went off a whim on a guest pass. And then I, the thing is, is that the day passes are like 20 or 30 bucks a piece. So if you oh. go more than like, if you go more than like three times in a month, it's like just get a membership because memberships are like 80 or 90, which uh, hurts a little bit, but it's also, it's a bit expensive, but it's, it's worth the workout. I I've tried it twice myself and it is a challenge, but it's very encouraging. You want more as you're doing it. And it's so, right. It's very, it's very mentally stimulating. Like I, I don't mind like lifting weights and running, um, but I, I have way more fun climbing and you can yeah you can burn calories like a motherfucker and it, it's uh, a full body workout too you're you know you're mm-hmm. hitting everything rather and get using something practical rather than just you know lifting weights because you want to have big tits um yeah you know <laughs> and i i totally get that i think it's I try to balance things like I, you know, I, I shouldn't say I do all the time because I've been really bad the last two months, but I try to do a lot of yoga and like practical stretching and like body workouts and do the meathead shit. Because um, I think if you just do the meathead shit, you end up really stiff and, you know, it's just not good for you. I don't want to go to bed in pain or feeling like waking up like my muscles are, are super, super tight. You want to stay limber. And when you do the rock climbing, you get to stay nice and limber and loose. And it's a great feeling. Like, I'm very, very meditative, I feel like. It is. And it's nice, too, because, like, the, I don't know, it's just when you go to lift in a gym, it's just like, it's just weird dudes who go who just watch you and they're like, pussy, you're only curling like 40 pounds, you know, like, and I feel like in rock climbing, it's like, you can just have somebody who's been climbing for like 15 years. Who's just doing the hardest shit. And if you're, I'm not, I'm not like that great at it. I'm better than a beginner for sure. But there's times where I'll be struggling and like some, some pro he'll just come up and just be super encouraging and really nice. And there's like, I've met like some, 
some like really good friends I have I've met just because we've been trying the same climb and then we'll, we'll just kind of join together and being like this shit sucks huh and then we'll kind of try and help each other in finishing it and then you just start chatting and it's just nice there's a nice um there's a nice energy at those gyms and yeah. uh, it doesn't feel like Sometimes with weightlifting, I'm like, God, this is like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's cool if you like it, but man, there's sometimes I'm like, this is like not yes. my idea of a good time. But uh, see, that's what like our last tour, the one that only lasted five days before the world <laughs> exploded. Like hey, we same. had, dude, oh, man, that was such a bitch. And your tour was sick too, but we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But my mm-hmm. my whole tour is built around fucking bros. Where we had Andrew our driver, he's an animal. He'll drive the bandwagon like 8 hours, wake me up at 9 or 10 a.m. We'll go to the gym, but this time around it was like me, him, Jared, two of the dudes from Alpha Wolf, Rio from Crystal Lake, like all just in there being meatheads. Oh, and Jim. Can't forget my boy Jim. Jim, who's doing lights for us now. He is the fucking shit. And he just oh, did this Jim. challenge. Yeah, Jim. He went out with Wage War with y'all. Yeah, um, I love Jim. I dude, love Jim. He just did something crazy today. It's like you run a mile, do 100 pull-ups, 400 push-ups, 300 squats, or four, no, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, 400 sit-ups, and then run another mile in an hour and 40 minutes. He's a fucking animal. It's so sick. Damn. But, yeah. I could not do that. Good for him. But these are the kinds of things that we talk about. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we are like, uh, you know, we, it's, I guess it's just part of our, you know, our a few of the guys in the group. We really like to encourage each other to lift and shit. Um, but that That's that also sick, comes man. along with my favorite comment where whenever I meet fans and they're just like, dude, I thought you were so much bigger. <laughs> but <laughs> what? Yeah, because everyone thinks I'm like six man, foot or like. People are so weird. <clears throat> it's better. Just Have you guys the, played Europe? Have you gone to Europe before? We we did a few years ago. Yeah. Um, why? What? Well, usually when you <laughs> come you back for like there? your second time, yeah, you just you'll come back and you'll play Germany for the second time, and someone will be like, "Oh yeah, like last time you played, it was much better. You looked like you gained some weight." Yeah, um, and you're just like, "Oh <laughs> fuck!" Like, okay, like thanks. Um, yes, yeah, that was a fantastic <laughs> German accent, by the way. <laughs> oh, dude, thank you, <laughs> thank you very much. You look, you look much better. Yeah, dude, That's, and it's so funny because I can. Dude, it's just cultural things where I'm sure like that's like that's super okay to to say shit like that, you know, in like Europe. And it's just funny that in America people be like, What the fuck? Like Oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah, it's wild. But you have to always remember like that language barrier where, you know, I think about the first okay, so when I was like eighteen, I went on a trip to Germany just to like a, a music exchange thing. And it was really cool. It was like me and a bunch of my friends, like 100 people, went over to Germany and we exchanged with an all-girls school and then did like a bunch of choruses or uh, concerts and churches. It was like pretty dope. Mm-hmm. You know, 18-year-old kid going to Europe, hanging out with a bunch of chicks. It was sick. And mm-hmm. I didn't, now for everyone listening, I didn't do this, but I, uh, a girl that had been flirting with me, she said to me, I want to make love to you in the toilet. And I was just like, what? Like, what the fuck? And mind you, I didn't. I'm a gentleman. Um, 
No, I was 18 and I had an agreement with my ex-girlfriend who was also on the trip. So that's what really happened and why I didn't do that. Um, oh, but, okay. Yeah, and honestly, looking back on it, big mistake. Um, really should have enjoyed myself on that trip. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you try to keep it cool. But yeah, that's what I'm just saying. Like, the way things come out sometimes are just so hilarious where you're like, oh, I just have to sit here and laugh at this. Like, this is awesome. I can't even. I want I want to make love in the toilet. That's, <laughs> that's a romantic phrase if I've ever heard one. Yeah. And you're talking about no discipline. Look at you, man. That's you okay. had a thank you. I you was way better up. when I was 18. Um, yeah, I think we all were. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was a nice guy. I was I was a pretty cool, dude. You know, 20s were weird because you're just like experiencing life and um, you know trying to kind of figure yourself out and figure out who you really are versus like hanging out with people that you've just been surrounded by in the town that you grew up with and all that kind of stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, what a great, that was a great experience. But yeah, the, you know, the language barriers are super funny, but it's amazing the fact that we actually get to go and play in these foreign countries in the fucking first place. Um, Dude, I, we were, um, <clears throat> I won't say the bands, but we were we were supposed to go on a tour in November in like Europe and the United Kingdom. And I, it was like a good tour. And we, we, we headlined the last time we were there. So I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah, that it wasn't. That's a- there were actually some shows that were like, like surprisingly sick for, we only had like two albums out at the time, but there was, but we were, this was definitely like a next level kind of international tour. And, Oh, we also had a really cool fall tour. Yeah. It's just so much shit. Um, and of course, like this is all happening where I feel like we kind of just hit our stride, <laughs> like everything was going super yeah. well. And now we're like, ah, everything's just on hold. That's um. Well, that week car I- tour was going to be huge. Um, yeah. It was going to be so big. I'm sad. Um, dude, I don't know why. I thought that you guys were on the, like the tail end of your tour. I didn't know. I don't- no, bro. We played five shows, but we did get our last show was the biggest headliner we've ever done. And then it was that's it. awesome, man. Yeah, so it's kind um, of a cool way to go out, but and but it was yeah, it was just the five gigs, but um, yeah, you guys were about the same or had just started one gig or something like. No, it was actually actually the same. We played five shows, but our except our last show that we played was the worst show of the tour, probably. <laughs> I mean, no, no offense to um, I had never been to uh, Montreal in a Quebec. Oh, okay. Well, that's an interesting just, market, nonetheless. Dude, yeah, it was just, I didn't know, like, um, I didn't know it was like a little mini France where basically they all speak French and everybody hates you if you're American. Um, And it was just, and I was just starting to get, man, getting sick as a singer on tour is like, I don't know, probably one of the least favorite things that I experienced in my life. Um, And I was... We had like our sound check and we, we open with the color black and if, if I'm healthy and Oof. like the, the first four shows we did, it was just like, I was just cruising, like having, having a good time. And it's a fun, it's actually, it's a fun one to play when you're like healthy, but man, we did a sound check for it and I, I didn't feel completely sick, but we finished it and I was like, oh, that was, um, that was like a thousand times harder than it should be. And then I... I start. I actually started freaking out that I might have had coronavirus because I, I woke up the next day after that show and I felt just horrible. Um, you did, but I um, <laughs> I did have it. Yeah, um, and uh, uh, so yeah, we had a day off after Montreal, and then we were we were on our way actually to play 
uh, the Palladium in Worcester, and we we've always played like this smaller, like five hundred cap mm-hmm. room, and there there's like the theater which is like, oh yeah, fifteen hundred cap, and they were like, yeah, it like it sold actually out, can hold twenty two hundred people. Oh shit! Yeah. Um, it uh, well, I think they had fifteen or sixteen hundred tickets sold, and they were like, yeah, we're gonna play the theater tonight, and we were, you we know were what. About t- I think that's with both rooms open is 2,200. I think mm. 1,500 in the big room if you're – I don't know. Whatever. Continue. Sorry I interrupted you. No, you're good. Um, it's – we were – We Came As Romans was actually loaded in, and they were sound checking, and we were we were 10 minutes from the venue. And then I think the governor of Massachusetts stepped in that day because they were like, hey, the tour is going to be postponed, but we're going to have this one last show, and it'll be a great – like send off and then we were 10 minutes from the venue and heard that the governor canceled all gatherings of 200 people starting immediately and we were just like fuck and then we were and then we're we're all from like LA so we had to drive we like went to the venue we had a few drinks with the bands on the tour and then we all said bye and then we we were 42 hours away from California because we were in Jesus in uh, Western Massachusetts, which we're used to doing drives like that um, to get to start and like the end of tours. But like, it's, it's just like, Oh, at least we played like five or six weeks of shows. It was just, it was such a bummer to be like, man, we've been out for a week. And it was also because like, we, I'm not sure if you saw, but we had like a lot of our uh, shit stolen from us. Yes. Um, and it Your was trailer, like, right? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh man. So I, so I, I used to live in this apartment complex and parking our van and trailer was just a very tricky thing. If I did it on the residential streets, these assholes would come out and be like, Hey man, like you're taking up spot. And it's like literally like a massive neighborhood and they have like a driveway with like eight spots and they're getting pissed that the van is like parked somewhere near their house. And I'm like, who gives a fuck? But they, but anyway, so I, I would keep the, there were not all the time, but there were moments where I would keep the keys for the van in my personal car. So sometimes I would be pulling out for work and there'd be a giant spot open and I'd be like, Oh sick. And I could like move it into a spot by my complex. And I, so basically somebody went into my, they broke into my car and they took shit out of it. And I was kind of like, I woke up to that when I was going into work and I was like, fuck. And then I didn't even realize that I had the keys to the van at the time in my personal car. And then so when I was driving to go to work after I cleaned up and got everything done with my car, I noticed that my van wasn't there. And I was like, Oh shit. Did it get like, cause sometimes it's been towed for like street sweeping and yeah. shit. And then I realized like that the keys to the van were in my car. And so they just found the keys and then just like walked around probably setting like the alarm off until they found it. And so they had, they had the keys to the van with the trailer attached with all of our equipment and they had the trailer <laughs> keys. And it was like literally a nightmare scenario. Fuck. And we were at the time we were just idiots. We didn't have like insurance. Gear insurance. Yeah. We didn't have like, we didn't have like any tracking and, and it's a very different uh, way we have it now. Like there's a tracker on the van and, but anyways, yeah, they ended up actually, they found the trailer first and then they found the van shortly after. And we, we had to go, we had like a GoFundMe set up and we actually, we raised, we raised just enough to basically rope cause the van was pretty fucked up by the time we found it. Cause there were like homeless people living in it. Oh. I don't know if you've ever, have you ever seen like the other guys? 
Yeah. Okay, I'm pretty sure they were having what's called a soup kitchen in the van because, uh, do you know what the soup kitchen is? It's just when homeless people have an orgy yeah. in your, your vehicle, basically. Because I, they, they said that Ooh. they think it was stolen and then it was abandoned and then they think that homeless people were squatting in it because there was like a business card for like a homeless shelter and like a couch and like old clothes. And then I found a boot with a condom in it. So that's why I think Ew. that they were having a soup kitchen. So we, yummy, yummy. Had, yeah, we had to pay a lot of money to get it. Um, just like deep, deep cleaned and, uh, just a bunch of shit like cosmetically because they they drove it through like an apple orchard and it just fucked up like the body and the paints and so um so anyway it's a long story that sounds fantastic yeah good for (laughs) you guys it was the best it was it was the best year of my life followed by one of the worst times of my life and uh but it's just crazy because we did i mean literally did you lose all the gear we we did yeah like uh we well uh there was remote, was there gear in it like uh like there guitars was, and shit oh dude yeah we had uh we had just invested in like an x32 with uh, like custom molded in-ears and we had spent like days and days getting it wired and routed to everybody having their own mix and i it just bought like a wireless mic and oh man yeah we so Gina was smart. He had all of his guitar stuff, thankfully. Um, Ramon had his basses, but Mike's full drum kit, um, all of our in-ears and backing tracks and interface and um, microphones and dude, just so much shit. Like we, so anyways, the crazy thing was is that we, we raised about, I think, 30 grand with the GoFundMe. We had just enough money to basically pay for the van to get fixed up and and replace all of the equipment that was taken and then we like rebuilt like our sleeping setup in the van and we it's just it's crazy thinking about that like up until the day we left for the tour we were just busting our ass like trying to just get like at a point where we could tour again and play shows and we we felt like so triumphant that we had like we had like literally broken even where I think we spent like 10 grand on fixing the van and then like 20 grand on replacing the drum kit. And we had to reset up and repurchase our in-ears and it just so much shit. And then we couldn't believe that we got expensive. Oh yeah. So man, that's so much stuff to go through. Yeah. Man. uh, As a band has been robbed before I, I feel for you, but I did get my guitars back eventually. So I can't say I'm in the same boat. That's, (laughs) Fucking nuts, man! I'm so sorry. Um, that's an it's fine. It's gear to have to lose and very heartbreaking. Um, it was definitely a learning experience as far as like gear insurance and just just things where like you have to be prepared for stuff like that because people are just horrible and they want to just take from you if they can. But oh yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's no, fine it's, though. It's, but it was—it's hard it not was to a, feel that way. It's hard not to feel that way, man. Like it, you know, a lot of times, like we, you know, they motherfuckers stole all your shit. I would hate them too. I'd feel feel super burnt out by that. So it's totally honest to feel that way. Um, you know, some people are total shit, and you know, it's hard to avoid. But now you know not to leave your keys in there. At least that's something. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, who would have thought that someone would break into your car, get the keys, and then steal your other car? Oh yeah, it like, was what just, the fuck? Yeah. It's 
Yeah, I, I feel like the dumbest person on the planet um, for even thinking that was okay. But I also lived in like a, I lived in like a quiet neighborhood in Orange County. It's just like theft, theft just wasn't a thing there. I was almost like just shocked when I found out my car was broken into. I yeah. was like, fuck, like, but it's fine, man. We, we learned from it and we're, we're fine now. And I, you know, Mike got a new drum kit out of it. So we, kinda, I don't know. I try and look Sick. at the positives of like, uh, like we, you know, maybe we needed like to well, start from scratch or something. Well, and at least your band is only on the up. So it's a good time to be hitting up people to be like, Hey, I just got robbed. Can you help me out? Um, yeah. People are more willing in that situation. And it's especially better when your band doesn't suck. Cause if your band sucked, that would be really hard. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, there be. Have been people that have been in that pickle, but luckily you guys are sick. People gave you money. You, you have probably had some people be like, Oh, you guys are sick. Here's some free music equipment, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, like like you said, it can always, uh, you gotta see the bright side of it can be all right. Um, dude, what's your favorite song off of this record? Um, off sleep. I I think it, I think it's drunk. I'm pretty sure it's drunk. Um, I just, I just always wanted to write like a cool vocoder track like that. And I wrote it about my father and, um, just how he kind of used my, my dad has like cancer and he has Parkinson's and not, not, not so much recently, but there was like, there was a period of his life a few years ago where he was just like really heavily using alcohol, I think to kind of cope with his mortality. And I, um, I don't know. Drunk was one of the drunk was another one of those songs on sleep talk where it was like a, it was a post hardcore song when we had first written it. And then we were just, trying to blend it in with some of the other songs and it just it was man it's funny it actually dude it, it opened with like a hardcore riff and it, it had like a just this metal ass riffy chorus initially and we were i don't know we sat with it for a few weeks and we were like this shit kind of sucks actually man. like i don't i don't like this and then we we like stripped it back and then i was like oh what if we had like a little synth guy in the beginning and then we found like that dent dent and then i was like oh what if we did like a vocoder thing and so the funny thing is is the the first few lines of that song i wrote i wrote like off of the top of my head and then like like the you have bones that have to break so stay drunk for the weekend i just i bullshit it so he could try a vocoder effect and then i was like and then i kept writing off and then I, i don't know why i just started thinking of my dad and then i just wrote like the entire song off of that first line. And, um, it just, you just yeah, changed my whole perspective on that song. Like <laughs> that's completely got me shook. Cause it's one of those things where at first you may hear it and at face value, you're like, eh, love song. I mean, it's amazing, but love song, mm-hmm. but you saying that makes it that much more real and honest and appre- like makes me appreciate the song that much more. Like, Cause now oh, I was thanks, gonna man. ask you like, hey man, like you got a drinking problem or something? Cause you really like to talk <laughs> about drinking and driving and like, I mean, I've done it. It's but it's not a good idea. Um, and, no, no, uh, it's not. You know, everyone out there, please for the love of God. I mean, just call an Uber. Um, but when mm-hmm. I was stupid and young and Uber didn't exist, um, and yeah, it's just crazy because you 
think about this. Gosh, I mean, if someone gets mad at me for saying that, I admitted to drinking and driving. I'm not saying I was like fucking blackout drunk, you sons of bitches. I'm just saying I've done it before and it's not a good idea. And luckily I'm old now and I'm smart and I'm responsible. And oh, yeah. Shit. So don't do things. I just always have to preface these things when I say stuff about my life that's inappropriate that I've done because I don't want people to go back and yell at me on the internet for me admitting that I'm human. But, um, you know, I get it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. No, it's um, uh, you have to walk on eggshells, and yeah, I've that. Yeah, and it's I couldn't believe how, many, how much shit I got for that line in particular. And I was like, dude, I'm not like constantly like drinking, and and I, I haven't in like years. But there was a point where you're, I was younger, and I just felt like invincible. Dude, and, and not, straight actually, up, not even in, straight not even up. invincible. It was I. And that's the thing too is I've never I don't I just didn't think I'd get in trouble, I've, man. I never exactly, thought I'd get in trouble. But, but I don't but I also don't drink to the point where I'm blacked out. The only person like and I'm sure like I'll just get roasted for saying that, but like I I've never gotten behind the wheel of a car after a drinking and been like I can possibly kill so like I'm just like the only thing that's possibly yes. gonna happen is I'm gonna get pulled over and I'm gonna get in trouble. Like I'm not endangering yeah. anybody else's life but well i think is, that's the, pro- the thought idea. process that gets everybody uh in in deep and ends up taking away lives which is certainly why we all grow up and grow from it and learn not to do these things and mm-hmm. luckily now we have all these awesome tools where if you actually do get caught drinking and driving you're a fucking idiot because you could just actually call an uber or a taxi or anything else so easy now um, right. <laughs> but yeah, when you're it's you're you're young, whether you want to call it invincibility or just not understanding the grand scheme of things where it's like, sure, I feel fine, but am I really fine? Um, and, you know, it's yeah, I was just curious, because when you do hear that, you uh, you of course, it's like the first thing where you're like, hey, I'm going to make a joke about like you like to drink and drive, brother. <laughs> but you know that song just sounds that much more sincere and sweet and honest now knowing where it comes from is your father doing okay like i mean obviously all things considered um um he's okay his uh his cancer actually metastasized to his brain which is not um a very awesome scenario but he uh he yeah we we did like an mri and we're waiting um, like a couple months to kind of see if the cancer like stays at the same size, if it shrinks, if it grows. Um, he's chilling right now, and he he really did stop. That's why I, I tried to like pretty strongly um, emphasize that drunk was like about a period a few years ago because he, he he hardly drinks anymore, which cool. is nice. Um, so yeah, he's he's doing okay, all things considered. But oh. we're kind of just dealing with it as it comes you know yeah hopefully he's finding a nice way to relax anyway maybe you know roll him a doink or two and uh (laughs) dad here you go um but i you know i'm really sorry that you and your family and your father are having to deal with that i really can't imagine i think one of the things that i write about a lot and i think is my you know i'm my mortality is my greatest fear my parents mortality like it's i don't i don't even want to consider going through that um right so mm-hmm. i feel for you man um because obviously if, it, it, if it's enough where you'll write about it you obviously really fucking love the guy and um you know sometimes we get songs where it's from the other side where people don't have relationships with their parents at all but man when you got a good one it's a uh, it's a beautiful thing you know so um uh, blessings to you and your dad man i hope that, that he'll you know be able to 
will be okay and, and, you know, live a, as much of a happy and, and healthy life as he can, but fuck. Thanks man. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope the same, hope the same for you and your family. Thanks man. Yeah. It's, you know, the world is a strange place I think right now, all things considered, it's hard not to think about the things that you do have versus the things that you don't at the moment where, mm-hmm. you know, we had touring taken away and it's all I've ever wanted in my life. All I've ever given shit about. I didn't care about school. I didn't care about a lot of people. I just cared about music. And, you know, when you get that taken away from you and you're like, man, am I going to have to like go back to normal life? Like, do I have to be like just somebody now? Like that was the hardest thing for me to consider. And it sounds really egotistical and shitty, but that's just me being real. And, you know, we have to then appreciate everything we do have, which is like, you know what, man, I can't tour today, but I will tour someday. And at least I have like, for me, I, I have a loving partner. I have an awesome apartment. I live in New York City. It's pretty fucking cool. Like I have a great family. Like, you know, I had to kind of get myself in check because for a while things were going so good. Everything was going great. And that's kind of how I feel with where the country's at, at a, at a whole where, people started to forgive some things or let some things slide or, or, you know, let certain people act their way. Cause you know, the economy is good and we're all rolling and things are okay. Mm-hmm. But we had so much under the surface that was so fucked up where, you know, put a little cleanser on that face, that shit's erupting. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, man. I, this is the weirdest time. I think most of us have been alive for at least people our age. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's I'm tough. super not a big fan of this time, but it's. I'm also trying to make the best of it. I have, I have musically, anyways. I feel like I've been really productive in writing and just trying to. I'm thankful that like between like Hurt Wave and all this shit for Dayseeker, I feel like we have a lot of content to push in this kind of like dead gap. So yeah. I'm not. It's not the worst thing in the world, you're, but I would much rather be touring like right now than yeah. doing anything else. You're on the money, though. I mean, you're you're release timed in a way where I just felt myself day in and day out, man. I like go outside and I'd be sitting in my spot and I'm smoking. And I'm just like, here I become a crooked soul in my fucking head, and I'm just like, holy shit! Like, why is this is day in and day out? Like, it's just stuck in my head. And I, you know, it's nice when you have stuff like that. Like for me, I love music that I naturally gravitate towards. I like to listen to something and then like, do I really take on to it? And like a good example for me is Manchester Orchestra. It's one of those, like you go and listen to, you know, a black mile to the surface and there's no way that you're not going to listen to the whole record because the whole record's so fucking good. And this Mm -hmm. was just one of those albums where I was like, oh, this is completely effortless for me. Like this checks all the boxes because... My my first love growing up was Thrice. My parents got me Identity Crisis for seventh for my for Christmas in seventh grade. Nice. And I've just been yeah. They were super supportive of giving me music that I actually liked, which was great, um, and fulfilling my Christmas list properly. Um, but yeah, <laughs> what a privileged asshole! Um, <laughs> you better get everything on my list, you bitch. I know Santa's not real. Um, and. <laughs> Yeah, you just strike, you hit me the way Dustin does, where it just seems so honest and sincere, and you have this range that just kind of melts your soul, and it makes you get sucked into it, and it doesn't seem, like, obviously there's gloss on it because of the world that we live in, but that's just raw talent, and it's just coming at you, and it's amazing. So, you know, you guys are, are 
crushing it. This record is absolutely insane, dude. Seriously. I mean, I technically it's 2019, so I'll just say it was the best record of 2019. But for me, it's like my favorite record of this year. Um, dude, thank you, man. Yeah. Um, now the, the terrifying thing now is to try and put out something that is like at least on part of that album, which is like, oh man, I'm stressing. Yeah, you will super though. Super hard about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, it was kind of like the, how we felt about like that Death Grip song where we were at that record did real well. That song fucking smashed. We're like, how the fuck do we do this again? You just got to have fun, dude. If you guys go into it and like, obviously it sounds like you guys like to get on the, a little bit on the stressful side too, where you're really emotionally Mm -hmm. invested and you like to rag on each other. But I think that that's where the good stuff comes from. Like if I didn't get sad as fuck sometimes while I'm recording, I wouldn't write anything good. So I kind of need everybody to push my boxes a little bit. Um, and like, I think it's, you know, you guys will be fine. It, you just get better and better and better. You know, shit's fine wine. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. We'll, we'll see it, man. Time time will tell. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. So, you know, hopefully you guys don't flop, man. I mean, if you do put out a shitty record, I'll have you back on just to tell you. Um, I think yeah. Be- <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rory! Who, hey, who Different sings time, on Star... So. Yeah, right. Who sings on Starving to be Empty? Um, her name is, uh, Seneca Petit. Um, she's a local musician in Los Angeles and that, yeah, that, that went really well. I was, I was really worried actually, like, um, right up until she started recording. Um, <laughs> cause I just, I knew she was a great singer, but I was like, oh man, we've never featured like a girl before. Like she has a beautiful voice, but you're like, what if she's just not like singing it in the right way or like our voices don't blend very well. And it, yeah, it went, I can't say enough good things about yeah. her, her as a human being and like just how that song came together. Um, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like the same song if she wasn't on it. Yeah. She's incredible. She has an amazing voice. She kind of reminded me of, there's this young band on equal vision called Glacier Veins. Um, hmm. they're a little more like early Paramore, but meets saves the day, like kind of power pop fun. But her hmm. voice just kind of reminded me of her and I was like, Oh, I wonder if this is that girl or not, but it is not. Um, so what's her name again? One more time. Just so everybody it's Seneca, uh, Petit. Um, okay. yeah, she's, yeah, she's great, man. She, I think she has her own music coming out soon. She hasn't put out music of her own in a long time, but she, she always posts clips of herself singing and she's just mega talented. And, um, yeah, I can't, I can't say enough good things about her. Dude. Well, you mind if I ask you some questions from Twitter real quick? I don't know if you've looked at them cause I did tag you in it, but some <laughs> of them are kind of funny. I saw a couple, but yeah, let's, let's go for it. Okay. So I'm assuming you saw the old ones, which I, out of the old ones, the old, the first couple comments, one I did like was, what song was the hardest emotionally for you to finish writing? Like, was there one that was like, was it maybe drunk or one that was like super challenging for you to get through? Um, that's so funny. Cause I think people have a conception that like, while I'm writing it, I'm just like, fuck. And I'm like crying and throwing shit. And it's like, yeah. it's really not, I find it like super cathartic. It feels like it feels so good actually to just like get out what you're internalizing. Yeah. So I don't, um, I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm not like choking back tears when I'm writing any of those songs. Like none of them are super, Word. super hard to get out. I would say, I'm trying to think about all of them. I would say probably, Maybe, dr- 
probably drunk because I, I felt like lyrically, I, I'm like, I'm rarely actually really proud of the lyrical content that I write. And yeah. I felt really good about like the first few phrases of that song. And so the whole time it was just, I would write things that were okay. And then I'd go back and change them and rewrite it. And so I think maybe that was a tough one to write, but I, I wouldn't say it was because of like an emotional feeling. Yeah. It was just cause I, I'm just, I'm, so perfectionist yeah 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 Mm -hmm. no i get that that's like i think it's a nice release to get all of these things out of me when i write them so i'm i'm that's cool that you feel the same way i wouldn't say that i'm i'm sad before i write the songs which is what makes me write the songs i guess necessarily Mm -hmm. you know so that's cool this this question about please ask him have people been bothering you to try to to cover a lorna shore song or something Oh, <laughs> someone yeah, said cover uh, "Death Portrait" by Warren Ashore. Are you? Gonna yeah, one one kid on Twitter said it, and then it spiraled into a whole thing. Um, no, I'm not fucking doing yeah, that. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I want is I wonder if that's a Tom song or the that other schlub they just had the problem with. But shout out to Austin because he's a fucking man. That guy is so nice. Oh, um, uh, he is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Someone said, what do you suggest for someone with a terrible singing voice to do to get better, uh, to get a better sound? I think that you should probably just not sing. No offense. No, go get lessons. Um, get Hit up yeah, uh, hit up my boy Joe. He plays in uh, the band Dragged Under. And, um, he'll, you know, Hans, Hans will help you, yeah. Um, so he'll give you voice <laughs> lessons. He'll make you better. Um, if you want to be better at doing screamo, go get those um, Zen of Screaming videos. Um, those mm-hmm. with Melissa Cross. Those are supposed to be cool. I um, yeah, that, I saw that one, and I was actually contemplating what to say there because I have like kind of an ever, an everlasting battle in my head where there are some people who are just beyond help, and some people where yes. you're like, whoa, you can like. I don't know. I've seen some people make great strides and I'm like, I stand corrected. Like you're, you're, you're pretty okay now, but I've also, I've sang in choir with people for four years who were tone deaf and we Straight did up, piano bro. scale, <laughs> piano scale, piano scale warmups every day from like freshman year to senior year and nothing changed. They would just oh, be man. like, duh, 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 duh. and I was just like, Oh my God. Like it's, <laughs> It's tough. Singing lessons for sure. I think that's your answer. And I hope that if you get a coach that they'll be honest with you if you're a year in and they're like, hey, nothing's happening. Like maybe maybe you should just play guitar or something. Not always because there was when I was in high school. Now I did chorus kindergarten through graduating high school. I always was in chorus. That was my shit. Love it. Mm -hmm. But there was a girl who was so fucking tone deaf. And we would do like open auditions for songs. So you're doing a, you know, a guys and dolls medley, you know, and if you want to try mm-hmm. out for the solo, someone's, yeah, everyone gets to try out. We don't pick right. favorites. And then mm-hmm. one person ends up getting to do it. But every time she would try out and she'd have this confidence and she looks like she's killing it and she's completely fucking toned up. <laughs> and, Needless to say, that wasn't even the worst thing that happened to this poor girl while we were in high. Like, there was, so, 
I'm just going to tell the story because it was hilarious. And I won't say a name because then it doesn't fucking matter. But there was this one time we were all in high school. And after you do a chorus concert, sometimes your parents film it, right? And my friend Min, his dad recorded um, the whole chorus. And during a Phantom of the Opera medley, my friend Min did this beautiful solo. It was so good. And his dad zooms in on him. And right behind him, you see this girl just picking her nose and eating it on on like a 70 foot projection screen in front of the entire chorus. (laughs) Oh my God. That's horrible. It was so terrible. I felt so bad for her. Yeah, she actually oh, she was, like, she, and she was there. She's right? watching it. Yeah, she's watching oh this with all of God. us. And then she, everyone starts laughing, and she acts like nothing. You know, she doesn't notice anything. And then we carry on, and and that was that. But um, goodness gracious, <laughs> yeah. But needless to say, she had voice lessons all the time. She paid for the same person, um, Jill, that everybody else did, and she was very expensive. And no one told that girl she was tone deaf, and they should have because she was terrible. But if you're not tone deaf. Go get voice lessons, because a good example of that is my friend Ryan Kirby. He, The way that he got better was by tracking um, like covers on his computer. And not he didn't release them, but he would just learn how to sing. So he would try to sing to a Linkin Park song, for example, and then go back and listen to his recording and be like, well, I'm off here, I'm off here. And if you can analyze yourself and understand what you're doing incorrectly with your pitch, then that'll help you to kind of learn how to be a little bit of a better singer. So that's a modern way that you can do it. But like Rory and myself said before, get lessons, because if you want to do anything well, go get lessons, except for playing bass. That's for YouTube. Um, <laughs> God, no one cares about bass anyway. It's a stupid instrument. Um, it's, it's fun. It's When you're filling out the music, though, it is it is fun. Yeah. I've, I've, play, I've played for Ramon a couple times, just randomly, um, when he was like taking a smoke break or something. And it's... It's sick, man. I actually, yeah. I have a lot of fun. I see the appeal behind it. Yeah, it's once you get into it and you also like just like take some time and find tones and jam with it and be like, dude, I could write songs just starting with bass. Like, and you don't really think about it that way all the time, but then you go and listen to uh, what every number one hit, which is just bass, drums, and then occasionally some guitar in the background and synths. So, um, you know, because most modern pop and, and hip hop, that's where it's all coming from anyway. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I guess bass is okay. It's fine. Um, I'm going to avoid these like sad questions because people are asking about like how we cope with things and all that. And, you know, there is no coping. You just, you just exist. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, someone asked for puppy stories. Do you have any puppy stories? Um, not re- no not I mean we've only had her like a month and a half so it's it's all still very new um she well I did buy a new comforter for my bed and I let her in my room for the first time like a month ago and then we she was just hanging out in the bed and we were just having a good old time and then I noticed that there were just puddles all over my comforter and I realized that she got excited and she pissed all over it so oh. that was um that was a cool that was a cool new story yeah. um no, she's um, no, she's super chill though. She's like a a pocket pit bull, so she is like a pit bull, but she's not gonna get super big. And um, she's super sweet and really loves people. And uh, no, she's great, man. I wish I had, I'm sure I'll have some more interesting stories as her life goes on, but it's it's still still pretty fresh with her. Oh man, well, I, uh, yeah, 
That's pretty cute. Oh, nonetheless, well, I'm sorry your bed got pissed on. And dude, now this is uh, going to bother fine. me because I just like kind of made fun of that one before. But I wasn't making fun. I was just saying I don't want to talk about sad shit. But I am going to bring this up now because otherwise it's going to bother me for the rest of the day. So I'm Poppy sure. Day Deathcore mm-hmm. or Mexi Squats, which is both fantastic handles. I appreciate you. Aside from music, what coping mechanisms have worked for you to combat depression? Um, that That is a tough one because I... Uh, um, well, I think for me, it's, and we, we kind of talked about this a bit, but music is, it's a way that I don't internalize. I mean, I internalize stuff, but I think music allows me to kind of vent, um, even if I like, am not necessarily talking about it with another person. The trick is, is that I don't feel like I have a lot of privacy with my own personal emotions or feelings, um, which is, it's not that big of a deal, but so, and not, not to kind of keep going back to music but so i think no, for anybody hey, just whatever works for you man i think that's you know right. that's usually my go-to guy um you know sitting down and playing a guitar and singing a song has just always made me feel better like it's you know right just, i think that's why you found yourself in the profession you did right at least partially. essentially yeah um, i mean i was just i was bummed and i would listen to like stained and lincoln park and shit when i was yeah. really little <laughs> and, uh Um, yeah, but so, I mean, to relate to that guy though, is that I think you just have to find something, you have to find a way to take the negative things you're feeling and kind of translate them into something that is positive. Cause for me, it's like, if I'm sad about a girl or like something with my parents and I, if I sit down and I, and I'm able to kind of put it into something productive, um, it just makes it feel like. Oh, like it wasn't in vain. Like even though something shitty happened, like I made something cool out of it. And I think I honestly, it's, I know it's like so cliche, but like exercising actually for me helps a lot too. I'll just, I can feel like shit about myself. And then if you go, I don't know if I just go work out, I feel like you just release all these endorphins and you're, you're also just like, you feel good because you're actually taking time out of your day to like take care of your, your body and be healthy and, um, so I always try and tell people, yeah, just like, and honestly, it doesn't even have to be like music. I would just say like, if you want to write like poetry or I don't know, it's just, um, I think it's such a different thing to, to think a thought or a feeling that you have versus actually saying it out loud or writing it down. Yeah, I, I think, think free writing is super important where you just, yeah. not, you don't have to have a rhyme scheme or anything. Just put your thoughts on paper, go and read it. Mm-hmm. I tell that to people all the time where I just think if you have a, a major issue that you're having trouble working out. Well, just like you need to analyze it, write this shit down, like process your thoughts. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I agree with that, man. That's sick. In the working out, like for me, I agree with you 100%. It really helps a lot. Clears my thought, makes me feel better. Um, yeah. But not everybody wants to do that, you know, and it's tough. You know, sometimes you got to put down those like mega slurpees and get to it. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not everybody's drinking mega slurpees. Gosh. All right. Um, there was another one that I had before that I liked. Um, oh, do you like to write lyrics or melody like first, and then you kind of like structure a song around <laughs> it? Do you do that sometimes, or is it usually like one of the boys has some chords, or you're jamming on some chords, and then you write your lyrics and melody? Um. 
it's always melody first. Uh, well, usually there's some piece of music. I don't. I rarely just hear like a melody in my head, and I'm like, ooh, it's like. But yeah, I I think melody is so important, and as sad as it is, it's almost like more important than what you're saying. Because I can read like I've heard like great lyrics, but the melody is just all over the place, or it's not very memorable, and so it doesn't stimulate my brain in a way where I want to go back and listen. And so I feel like, yeah, I'm always focused on just trying to make sure that the melody is as, is something that I think is catchy and has a good cadence. And then I, I keep in mind what I'm writing about. And then I try, it gets challenging because I try and fit syllables or phrasing into the melody. Um, but then that gets tr- sometimes you have to actually alter the melody if you're like, damn, I really like that lyric though. I'm gonna mess with the melody a little bit so it kind of fits in there. But it's uh, everybody's different though. I meet people all the time who say they start with lyrics and they write a melody out of it. But that yeah. sounds a lot more challenging to me. Is that is that what no, you? No, yeah, that's perfect, man. It makes sense um, because when I listened to the record, it was kind of as I progressed. Someone on on Twitter wrote this, so it's not my question, but it is. It, mm. I did want to know because. As I listen through the record, you kind of go through these um, melodies and the way that you transition and, and some of these like pop sensible moments where I'm like, damn, like, and that, and that, like, I'm surprised where a lot of people do get repetitive, where I feel like you must be a very avid music listener because you touched on so many different styles of good songwriting and pop that I really enjoy. Because in all reality, there's like 12 notes and how many, you know, different ways can we arrange them and like get crazy with mm-hmm. it, right? But mm-hmm. you truly did where you never got repetitive on the record. It was always something new and different and spicy. So I, I thought that was a great question. Um, Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Oh, of course, man. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. I think that you guys are going to uh, end up having a very long, nice, and happy career. I think it's it's got to be interesting going through a period where you you know been on some different labels. You've you know put out a few records that maybe didn't get you exactly where you wanted to be, but um, I think after the world turns back on, you guys are going to be in a fantastic fucking position, man. So I hope so, man. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Yeah, dude. Well, that's pretty much all I got for you today, man. You know, I cool, appreciate dude. you. I hope you had yeah. a nice time here on the Get Tucked podcast. Um, I did, man. I it was very pleasurable to to have been tucked tucked upon um, for the first time in my life. So, okay. yeah, thanks for having me, man. This was, was super fun, dude. Of course, when you're super famous, just make sure you take Fit for a King on tour, and um, <laughs> you know, like we'll take like a you know the like that two spot. You know, it's okay. Like, oh, like please. Band Bill, when you guys are like, bring me the horizon level and, you know, taking over the world. Um, you guys are definitely going to move into, you know, like the Ramstein scene at some point. And we're going to be right, begging brother. you you to take us on tour. So Dude, I'm, honestly, uh, I'll take a five finger death punch tour all day, brother. <laughs> Fuck People, yeah, you, you will. Know, absolutely. And anyone that like, you know, that's such an interesting thing in our music scene where some people be like, man, I would never do something like, what, you wouldn't go play for 10,000 people a night, you <laughs> fucking idiot? Yes, of course you yeah. would. Um, so, yeah. Chris Kale, if you're listening to this, um, please, let's go. Take us on tour. <laughs> 
for the love of God. Um, yeah, I would love to do that. We were supposed to do a Parkway tour this summer, um, which is now kind of in that realm and release our record right. and, you know, go on a massive tour. But, you know, who the fuck wants to do that anyway? So stupid, <laughs> stupid, stupid. Um, yeah, dude, you got anything you want to say to these people? You want to talk about Hurt Wave for a second or anything you got to promote um, before I let you go? Um, yeah, I guess... Um so we have three more live videos um, that we did with Caliber that we'll be putting out soon. So um, I think Crooked Soul comes out next, and I'm, um, that one is pretty nutty. Uh, so, so yeah, those live videos will be out oh. soon. Um, I am, uh, yeah, we're Mike and I will be putting out Hurt Wave shit like every month or two months. So you'll just have like new music coming at you at least for like the next year. You just doing so. singles um, with that? No like album drop. Yeah, I was gonna do. Um, this band Sleep Token did something similar. They they put out a full length, but they did it like single by single. And then when the last song came out, they were just like, "Here's the album. Like now you can listen to it all together." So I think we're doing the same thing with this. That band um, is sick, by the way. Dude, I love. Yeah, his I voice love is Sleep wild. Token. Yeah, he's yeah. um. They're they're our label mates actually. So I'm. Uh, oh. I feel like if I. If I uh, if I harped on my A and R enough, I could get a name for who the fuck that guy is. But uh, bro, he's mad sneaky. <laughs> I, I can't. I saw Sam Carter was looking for him on Twitter the other day too. I don't know where he's at or what he's doing, but yeah, that, that band's fantastic. And um, I just when I watched like live videos of them playing that Issues tour, like I want like dancers on stage <laughs> and shit like while they're playing. I want it to be even more because they have the whole like get up and wear like yeah. and mm-hmm. shit. I love it. It's like ghost, but I want it to be like sexy ghost. Yeah, <laughs> I I saw them on that tour, man. They were um, they were super sick. I felt bad because I I don't think a lot of people knew who they were, and I think I think initially it seemed like strange to some people, but they were they were sick, man. I am very curious who I don't know. I met somebody who was like who was like. Oh, like he's because I know he's from the UK, but I met somebody who was like all the other members of the band. Like they're all they're all in like reputable bands. Like if you knew who they were, you would know like them as people. And I was like, shit, like I'm super curious. Yeah. Who plays or like who it is and who. plays. So does nobody know who's in these bands? Like, do they use like stage names or some shit? I don't know. He just calls himself Vessel, the singer, and then I I have no idea who the other guys are who play. Um, they're all they're all super talented though. They were yeah, they were sick live when I saw huh. them. Um, but I I kind of enjoy the. I think the mystery is also kind of part of what's like cool about them though to some extent. I would still like them if you could see their faces, but I think the mystery is definitely like a weird element to throw in there also. Whoa. I just don't even get how you push your like your you know like the only way I can push Hurt Wave is through my personal socials. I'm like, did you just start that page and then you were like, let's see what happens? Like I I don't know. That shit's wild to me. Yeah, that's why it's it's a crazy concept. But I maybe he had a the singer or some of the guys had a reputation beforehand and labels were just willing to take a chance on it. And Spine Farm certainly has um the ability in the bankroll to be able to make something like that happen. Um so that's mm-hmm. good for them. That's fucking awesome. I mean when you're teamed up with a major label, that's kinda kind of crazy stuff. But they have, you know, a very interesting lineup over there. I've always been a big My Ticket Home fan myself um i wish that band was a million times bigger than they are um 
but I never got into them, but I've I've always heard their name kind of throughout the years. I liked the more um the puke rock stuff or as they referred to it. Um the last two <laughs> records were pretty cool. But it was kind of before its time where people weren't into the whole grunge thing yet. I don't know if it's really a thing out where um you guys are, but like, you know, everyone's trying to look like Kurt Cobain out here. Um so <laughs> it's interesting. Like I'm seeing so many grungy looking people and it's like, but do you like Soundgarden? Like, <laughs> do you? Cause I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, so it kind of, I think they were just before their time and that happens often, you know, some people are mm-hmm. a little ahead of the curve, but we're not here to talk about my ticket home. We were here to talk about you and, um, yeah, that's really all I fucking got for you, man. So new Hurt Wave stomach stuff is coming out. You got a bunch of singles this year. Can't wait to listen to it. I'm super stoked. I need to go and listen to this first single because I haven't yet, and I'm terrible. I must. Oh, it's all good, man. I'll I'll just yeah. I'll send I'll send you stuff as I get it. If you want to hear some other stuff, but it's very, it's very synth wave meets. I don't know. Sever is more like R and B in the verses, but it's it. I don't know. It's like R and B meets like Paris, and then um, sick. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll send you the other stuff because the other stuff is a lot more like synthwave and just like eighties shit. But yeah, man, um, I appreciate you having me on here. It was a pleasure. Yeah, of course, pleasure to have you. All right, hold on one second, um, and uh, I'll say goodbye to you properly off the air, man. So thanks for being on the show today. No worries, man. All right, you animals. That was my chat with Rory Rodriguez of Dayseeker. First and foremost, shout out to Adobe Howell, Adobe Radio, Patrick, and Eddie for letting me be a part of the network. Really means a lot, and I can't wait to keep releasing episodes with you guys. It's always interesting doing episodes with guys I haven't talked to a a lot before in the past. I really admire Rory a lot for his talent and his songwriting, and I think Sleep Talk was one of my favorite songs, but now after knowing more about it, it really hits that much harder. So in whatever way you guys can, meditate, take a moment, say a prayer, put some positive energy out there for his father and his family, and um, you know, thank you, Rory, for being on the show. It really means a lot, man. This band has fought tooth and nail for everything that they have. They're managed by Garrett from Silent Planet, who's a good friend of mine, and also managed by my manager, Corey. And I I really just want to see this band blow up. They deserve Bring Me the Horizon tours. They deserve Thrice tours. And hopefully they will achieve all their hopes and dreams. I'm super thankful I got to chat with them today, and I hope everybody had a good time. Thank you to Roseview for lending us the tune. It's a really strong song and got me moving today. I love the energy and it feels good. I wish the gym was open so I could go and lift some shit to it, but sadly I'm just going to be stuck here doing pull-ups and resistance bands. But, you know, we're going to get to there eventually. I'm in New York, so probably not for a few months, but fuck it. If you want to hear your band on the Get Tucked podcast, please send the song to gettuckedthepodcast at gmail.com. I want to hear them all. Send it to me. Hopefully you don't suck. And we can play it on the show. Wouldn't that be great? Next week on the show, we have my buddy, Tyler Levinson, of the band Afterlife. We toured together for a few weeks last year and had the best time. They're one of those bands that I actually really looked forward to waking up and seeing every day. They're part of, kind of part metalcore, part hard rock, and I love it. 
they've got some Lincoln Park vibes, you know, at moments, and those hit me because I obviously love that shit. And it's kind of similar to Tetrarch, who was on the show a few episodes back. So if you haven't uh, heard that episode or heard Tetrarch, go listen to them again. Super stoked to catch up with my buddy and fill you all in on some afterlife news. And uh, tune in for next week. And remember, get tucked.
Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. <laughs> 